Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you took the time to listen to this message. You're listening to the second in our series called This Means War. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. I believe God's about to deposit something. And if you guys were with us last week, I made an appeal to enter into the battle uh, that's within our minds. And so this week, I teased it last week, but I said this week. Come on, someone. Someone say this week. This week, we're learning how to fight. We're learning how to fight. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it says, Therefore, someone shout, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, stand. Stand. I want to call our message this morning, Weapons of War. Weapons of War. Hey, can we clap our hands for the worship team? You guys can now be seated. So glad uh, that you guys could be here this morning. Uh, Every single person watching online, hey, we're honored that you could be here. Just so happy uh, that you took some time out of your morning to be with us. Uh, I don't know if you guys are like this, but I realize like there's kind of two ways to wake up in the middle of the night. Uh, And one is like when you wake up in the middle of the night, And then one is when you wake up not so quite in the middle of the night. Uh, So I'll kind of describe it like this. For any of you guys, if you've ever woke up at like 3 or 4 in the morning, uh, it's kind of like, oh, like middle of the night. And you kind of know I've got a few hours of sleep left. Uh, If you wake up at like 5.30, maybe it's like, oh, i got only like half an hour left. But have you guys ever woken up like 20 minutes after you've fallen asleep? Anyone ever been like super confused in that moment? Where you're like, where am I? What time is it? Who, who am I? Like, what is going on? Because uh, it's just confusing, right? And, and, and there's probably some science behind it. But uh, this happened to me Tuesday night. So this last Tuesday night, uh, my wife, Christy, and I, we went to bed. Um, and it was a colder evening, so we went to bed cuddled together. Come on, somebody. Um, and so what happened was, like, we went to bed at 10 p.m. Um, and then not shortly after, uh, I woke up. And I woke up like in that daze, in that phase, in that place where like, who am I? What's going on? What's happening? Who is this lady beside me? Because um, like we, you know, we, we, we love to be close. I love to be close. Um, when we go to sleep, uh, Christy not so much. So we don't usually fall asleep like that. So I just woke up in this state of confusion. Um, and I was like, what, what? And I looked at the clock and it was 10.50, meaning we had just gone to bed. Um, and so I was just even more confused. Like, I'm like, is it 10.50 a.m.? Like, what's happening? Where are we? And so I'm in this place where, like, I don't know what's going on. And then I look at my door. And my door is directly right in front of our bed. And I look at the door and in my <laughs> hallucination phase or whatever I was going through, it looked as if the door was moving. And so the door looked like it was slowly creeping, and I, I thought I could see a shadow behind the door. And so because I was in this moment of I don't know what's going on, I kind of just was staring. I was just staring, and I was frozen, and I was like, what is that? And I just, I kind of sat up, and I just was looking, and I was like, is, is someone out there? Is someone out there? And, and when I lifted up, I guess I woke up my wife, Christy, um, and so she kind of turns over, and she's like, what's going on? Like, what, what's going on? What's going on? And I could hear her, but like my brain just didn't want to respond to her because like I was in a phase and so I'm just, trying, I'm just like legit. And it was probably really creepy for her because I'm just like staring at the door and she's like, what's going on? What's going on? I didn't answer. Um, and so eventually she kind of just rolls over and goes back to sleep. She's like, okay, I guess he's crazy. Um, 
And so I look at the door for a little bit longer, um, and then eventually I'm kind of like, <laughs> regain my bearings. I'm like, we just went to bed. My name is Harrison. I'm a pastor. Uh, okay. And so um, I then rolled over. But as I rolled over and I laid in bed, I began to replay the events that had just happened in my mind. Um, and then I began to get really disappointed in myself. Because, you see, in my head, whether it was real or not, I thought there was some, sharp, some dark, shadowy figure in my hallway. And it's one thing that I have a wife sitting beside me as I'm frozen, but the other thing is that in that hallway where there was this supposed dark figure, uh, I have two baby girls sleeping in those very rooms. And so I began to ask myself in my head, if I really thought there was someone out there, why was I laying in bed? Like, why wasn't my first reaction to get up? Why wasn't my first reaction to go protect my kids? Because, like, have you guys ever thought in your head, like, you know how you're going to react in a situation? It's like, I'll protect my kids no matter what it costs. But the truth is that you don't know how you're going to react until you're in the situation. And so I kind of just started to replay it in my head. And I was like, well, maybe the reason that uh, I didn't wake up is because, like, deep down I knew I was just imagining something. Um, but, but the more I kind of thought about it, I began to realize, really, one of the biggest reasons I didn't get up to go look uh, what was happening outside is because I didn't really have many, much clothes on. Uh, I wasn't wearing a lot of clothes. That's what I meant to say, whatever I said before that. And I didn't have much many. Uh, and so I was just like, a part of me was like, man, like, I can't go out there. I'm just not ready. I'm not ready for a battle. I'm not ready to fight. Like, what am I going to do? And maybe it'll scare him off just seeing all this. But like, <laughs> and so <laughs> I realized something. Because listen, we're in a series here called This Means War how to win the battle within. And so what we said is that each and every single one of us, we are in a battle in our minds. Every day, all of us are fighting the biggest war of our lives, and it's the war that takes place in between our two ears. And so what I realize is that a lot of times in life, the reason that we lose battles is not because we don't have the will to fight. I think a lot of times we're just unprepared. A lot of times we're just, we just feel naked. And so if you guys were with us last week, can you just make some noise if you were here last week and you caught it online? What we decided to do is we said for this year, for 2021, we are going to enter into the battle. What we said was that for so many of us, we were just reacting. We were reacting to everything that was happening around us, reacting to our emotions, reacting to our feelings. And so what we said in 2021, come on, somebody, we said, I'm not going to be reactive. I'm going to be proactive. And last week, I encouraged us, and I said, hey, let's make a stand today to enter into the battle, to fight that war in our minds. But another appeal that I made, I said, I want you to be here for this entire series now, if you're sitting here and you missed part one, that's okay. Church online, if you're sitting there and you missed part one, guess what? Exit the tab and go watch part one. But the reason that I wanted us to be here for this whole series is because what I said is that every single week is going to build on each other. We're just going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. We're going to have better techniques. We're going to learn how to fight. And so last week was an appeal, an appeal to enter into the battle. And the reason we can enter in with confidence is because it's a battle that's actually already been won. Jesus has actually already come. So evil, death, darkness have no hold. Come on, somebody. And so what we said is when we enter, we're just proclaiming and we're just claiming the victory that's already ours. And I said, Let, let's do it. Let, let's take a stand. Let's take a stand. And so we finished last week with that stand. And so a stand is amazing. But we also need to learn how to fight. And so the reason I'm calling this message weapons of war 
is because what I want to do is I want to give us some practical lessons, some practical weapons for how we can begin to learn how to fight the battle within. How can we fight against negativity? How can we fight against anxiety? How can I fight against selfishness? How can I fight against pride? How can I win the battle within? And so I want to give us some weapons for this war. Is anyone ready to fight this morning? I said, is anyone ready to fight this morning? So listen, 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 listen. You're going to get loud in a bit. But... The truth is this, because some of you might be saying, Harrison, like, what, what are you talking battle language? What are you talking weapons of war? Like, bro, it's just my mind, right? Like, it's just my head. Like, what happens here is it's not a war, it's not battle. Well, the reason that I, I use battle language is because that's the language the Bible uses, and it's the language that Paul uses. And so what we're going to do this morning, Ephesians chapter 6, if you were here last week, this is where we were. And I said, we're coming back, we're coming back, we're coming back. And so we're still in Ephesians 6. And I want to read a passage of scripture before we get into the armor, before we get into the weapons, I want to show us why we need the weapons. We read this last week, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, uh, verse 12, sorry. It says this, it says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, someone shout, therefore... Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. And so we read that last week and what we said, we took from it. Paul says, our battle is not against flesh and blood. And so what I told us last week, what that means is that people are not your problem. For a lot of us, we think the greatest tragedies of our life are people. It's my boss. It's my spouse. It's my kids. It's my coworkers. They're the reason I'm miserable. People aren't our problem. That's what we learned from that, and that's what I said last week. But I didn't really dig too deep into what our problem is. And so Paul tells us what our problem is, and when we understand our problem, you're going to see why I think we need some weapons to fight and why I say you need a battle cry, not because I tell you to get loud, because you're like, I need a battle cry. And so what he says is this, if people aren't our problem, who's our problem? He says our problem is against rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So Paul says this so simply, if people aren't my problem, who's my problem? Darkness is my problem. Evil is my problem. The enemy, Satan, the devil, that's my issue. That's my enemy. That, that's who I need to fight against. The battle is in the unseen. That's what he's saying. It's in the unseen. It's in the, because have you guys ever been to a place, and maybe you were here last week, and it was like, all right, I'm going to have a really good week this week. I'm going to have a really good day. I'm going to think positively today. And you wake up at 6.54, but by like 6.57, you have a thought in your head. And you're like, where did that come from? And that thought is something negative. Like, what's the point of reading my Bible? It doesn't make a difference. Or maybe that point is like, man, like, I'm going to work, but why am I going to work? Because my people don't like me. My coworkers don't respect me. No, no, no one really cares about me. Well, how am I going to work today? Because it's just on Zoom and I can't do any more Zoom. You see, what happens and what the Bible is telling us is that uh, there, there's unseen things, right? Our, our, our battle is against evil. Our battle is against darkness. And the truth is this. For so many of us, we've tried to fight before, but it seems like darkness is winning. It seems like darkness is winning. Why does it feel like I'm surrounded by darkness? Now, what's so interesting about this passage is that Paul says, because there is evil, because we have an enemy, he says, put on the full armor of God. 
because there's an enemy, put on the armor. But, but you want to know what's interesting? What Paul is saying, he's saying, guess what? You have the choice to put on the armor. You have the choice to fight. But what he doesn't say is that you have a choice that there's going to be a battle. He just says, our struggle is here. In other words, the struggle is real. So, 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 so the, the fact of the matter is the only thing that you get to choose, you don't get to choose the battle, you just get to choose whether you fight or not. And so for so many of us, the problem is, the problem is we just roll over. When the fight comes, it's too much. I, I can't win. And so what Paul is saying, because the fight is so great, because darkness is there, we need to put on the armor of God. Now, some of us are saying, okay, Harrison, like, I get negativity, I get darkness, I get bad thoughts, but, like, what, what, what's the end goal? Like, why do I really need to fight? Well, the fact that Paul tells you to put on armor should probably tell you what he thinks about the power of evil. But if he's implicit, Jesus is explicit. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he says this. He says, the thief, who is the devil, he comes to steal, steal and kill and destroy. He comes to steal to kill and destroy. And so listen to this. You see, what this means is that evil has an end goal. Darkness has an end goal. And, and the end goal is not to make us feel bad. The end goal is not to make us think less of ourselves. The end goal is not to ruin every single relationship. The end goal, and all of these things may happen on the way and probably can happen on the way, but the end goal of the enemy is death. He wants you dead. And so what Paul is saying, if that's what evil is, if that's what our enemy is, if the end goal is to kill us, we better get ready to fight. We better get ready to fight. Because for anyone that has shown up to a fight unprepared, you know it's not going to go very well. Now, you need to understand something, and I said this, and I always say this. The reason I don't talk about the devil that much is because if you read Scripture in the grand narrative of Scripture, it doesn't actually talk about the devil that much. But a lot of times, I think as Christians, we like to give the devil power, more power than he has. Can I tell you something? Although the end goal of Satan is to kill you, Satan can't actually touch you. You can go to sleep. He's not putting you in a chokehold. Like, his power has limits. And so you're like, well, Harrison, how does he kill us? The end goal is just self-destruction. Because if he can get us to destroy ourselves, he doesn't need to do anything. If he can get us into that thought pattern that's the same week after week, day after day. Have you guys ever realized that most of our struggles, most of our thoughts, most of our issues is the same thing over and over again? And so I say this all the time. The devil is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. He's not on the level that God is, but we make him seem like he is. I just think the devil's on my shoulder. No, 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 that's you. Because you've created a thought pattern that now is always there. And you, we speak these scripts to ourselves that says, I'm always going to be like this. Listen, if I don't guard my mind, I will actually self-destruct. Because the truth is, I'm not sure about you, but I bend towards negativity. I bend towards selfishness. I bend towards anger. I bend towards revenge. And so I don't need an enemy to come and put me in a chokehold. I just need to be left alone with myself. And the domino begins to go. And so here's the point I want to make before we put this armor on, because we got to put some armor on. I hope you guys are seeing it. We need a battle. So write this one down. I don't choose the battle. The battle chooses me. I don't choose the battle. The battle chooses me. And so what that means is that I have a choice. And it's not what happens to me. It's am I going to fight or am I going to sit back? And so the beauty is this. The enemy comes to seek, to kill, and to destroy 
But it doesn't end there. Jesus says, I have come, come on somebody, that they may have life and life abundant. And so what that means is the end goal of the enemy is death. But guess what? The end goal of Jesus is life. And it's life abundant. And what Jesus says is that death is already defeated. And so the foe that we face is a defeated foe. But here's the thing. That's the truth. But truth is always relative to what we believe. And so I can tell you till the cows come home that God has a life of abundance for you, that God has power and his purpose for you. But the truth is this. Whatever we believe, that becomes our truth. And so if we have a truth in our mind that has been stewing and stewing and turning and turning, if that's what we believe, it's going to take war to get that out. It's going to take a battle. And that's why I say we need some fighters. So is anyone ready to fight this morning? So Paul says, put on the armor of God. And then basically what Paul does is Paul begins to talk about the whole outfit, what it looks like, what a soldier looks like. And so Paul, what he does is he uses the metaphor of a literal soldier and he begins to bring spiritual aspects to every single part of the battle gear. And so this is how he starts in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in its place. So here's the thing. As Paul is describing this Roman soldier, this was written to a culture that knew exactly what a Roman soldier looked like. And so when he says these words, they could picture it vividly. So for us, maybe it's not as clear. And one of the first things that might not be clear is like, and we're going to war. And so when we talk about war, I'm like, all right, Paul, like, give me the spear, give me the javelin, give me the arrows. But instead, he starts with a belt. And it's like, that kind of that seems weird, like a belt. Like, how do I fight with a belt? Here's the thing. And even though we can't picture a Roman soldier, I think all of us can kind of picture what a belt looks like on us. And the truth is this. Have you guys ever realized that if your pants are really loose, you can't go very far? <laughs> Anyone tried to run like when your pants are like two sizes too big? Anyone ever seen those skaters back in the day and their pants are halfway down? And you're like, how are they doing 360s on their skateboards when their pants are so loose? Maybe that's just me. Um, just me. But the truth is, for a Roman soldier, the belt was the foundation of their armor. Because what the belt did, the belt literally would tighten everything together and make sure that as they put on all of their pieces of equipment, nothing else could fall off. Without the belt, you were nothing. And so Paul starts with the belt, but what he compares the belt to is very important. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now for some people, it's like, what is truth? Well, Paul is, is shadowing back to the words of Jesus. And if you know this, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, guess what? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And so what Jesus, and so what Paul is saying, as we put on the belt of truth, what he's saying is this. Before you start, when you enter the battle, make sure you understand this. Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the foundation upon which everything hangs. Without Jesus, I have nothing. And so this is really important because we don't need armor, we don't need weapons, we don't need gear. We simply first and foremost need Jesus. Because what this lets us know is that I fight my battles differently than the world fights their battles. Because I'm not the foundation, Jesus is the foundation. Because the problem is this, for so many of us, we try to make ourselves the foundation. And so it's like, you know what, I am just going to think better this year. I'm just going to manifest positivity this year. I'm just going to be great this year. 
And so what happens when we make ourselves a foundation, the problem is only Jesus is a firm foundation. Only Jesus doesn't change yesterday, today, and tomorrow, but I change every single day. And so if I'm the foundation for my fight, that's okay if I have a good day. But if I have a bad day, it's like not so much. And it's like, man, I'm worthless. But, but the bigger problem is this. Like even on my good days, if I'm the foundation, I won't lean towards negativity. And it's not even about positivity. I'll actually lean towards selfishness. I'll lean towards my ego when it's like, man, you know what? I'm the best. Because we talk about the battle, and a lot of times we go to negativity, right? Like, I need to just win the war against depression and anxiety. But here's the thing, just as dangerous as selfishness, just as dangerous as pride, the Bible says pride comes before the fall. And so what happens is if I'm the foundation, what that means is my emotions and my battle tactics will be a sliding scale. But when I make Jesus the foundation, everything else follows. Because the truth is, without Jesus as the foundation and without his truth, we begin to believe our truths. And far too many of us, we speak our truth as absolutes. And what an absolute is, is say, I will always feel this way. I will always be this way. No one will ever value me. No one will ever look at me like this. I'm always going to enter into the wrong things. I'm always going to enter into the wrong situations, places, relationships. This is just who I am. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. Or on the other hand, I'm the best. I'm the greatest of all time. Everyone else is stupid. No one knows like me. And so we need something that's absolute. And so what Paul says is we make Jesus the foundation. That's the belt we put on Jesus as the foundation because when he's the foundation, I base my life on not what I say about myself, but what Jesus says about me. And so he says with him as the foundation, he says then you have um, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in its place, you will have your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And so here's the thing. When Jesus is my foundation, everything else can begin to get built on that. And so I have to say, am I following me or am I following Jesus? And so he says, put on your belt. If you're following Jesus, here's what's to follow. We have the breastplate of righteousness. That protects my heart. Because my heart will always tend towards that, 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 that part that says, I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. I'm just not enough. But Paul says, guess what? You are actually protected and covered by the righteousness of Jesus. You want to know what that means? When you have that voice in your mind that says, I'm not good enough. I will never be good enough. Do you know what the righteousness of Jesus says? It says, yeah, that's true. But I'm good enough. But I'll cover you. But I'll protect your heart. But I'll guard your heart. I'm your righteousness. And so when he's our foundation, we have him as our righteousness. And he says, with that, we have the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace found in Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Because the scripts in our head and the battle that we fight inside is like, hey, man, you're, you're not enough. Jesus will never love you. He'll never accept you. You will never be good enough. But the gospel which gives us peace says, I, I trade that lie for the truth. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so he says, in addition, verse 16, he says, take up the shield of faith, that you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so what is faith? Faith is to, see, is to believe when you can't see. 
And so the, the, the enemy, what, what they do is in our situations, when we feel like I can't see peace, when we feel like I can't see victory, when we feel like I can't see a way out, I can't see an end to this, what faith does, faith gives us the ability to see, to, to believe even when we can't see. And so this is what, what I say a part of church is for. Because the Bible says that Jesus and the body of Christ is actually the church. And so what that means, one of the reasons we need each other One of the reasons you need to have someone in your life that calls you and you pick up at least once a week is because when I'm left to myself, I stew. When I'm left to myself, I I just think worst case. I feel stuck. I feel like I'm not enough. But the reason I need someone that can speak truth into me, the reason I need a church family, and we say family because we're our family, is because I need people that can help build my faith because I need that shield. Have you guys ever had a season where someone else's faith actually kept you going? Have you ever had a phone call with someone when you felt down and then after the phone call, you're like, man, I can do it. I can go on. I'm not going to be in that space forever. Listen, one of my favorite joys in life is to encourage people. I think that's what God has created me to do is to say, hey, I see where you are right now, but that's not what God has for you. Depression is not what God has for you. Darkness is not what God has for you. Loneliness is not what God has for you. So we take up the shield of faith. And so I want to encourage you right here, right now, if you're not connected in this church, if no one knows your name, come to Growth Track after church. Get connected. Join our team. Fill out a connect card. And on it, just say, I need some faith. I need someone to call me. I need someone to love me. He says, pick up the shield of faith. And so our defense is Jesus as the foundation. And so Paul continues in Ephesians 6, verse 17. He says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, really, when we talk about the shield of faith and Jesus is our foundation, these are all defenses in order for us to fight the battle that comes against us. But the truth is, every defense is only as strong as a good offense. And so Paul doesn't just say we are on the defensive. We're not just always backtracking, backtracking, back just fighting it off. He says, now we go on the offense. How do I go on the offense? He says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so what's our offense? Our offense is the word of God. Now, if you guys have ever heard people that are way too churchy, um, way too Christian, uh, and if they say, um, you know, like, I just, I got my sword with me. I got my sword. Uh, This is where it comes from. I'm just educating you as you guys meet more Christian nerds. Um, This is where it comes from, the sword. The sword, the word is the sword. The Bible is my sword. But I love what Paul says. Paul calls it the word of God. Now, I know this might sound crazy for for 2021, and maybe I'm old-fashioned, maybe I'm stupid, I don't know, but I just happen to believe that the Bible is actually the Word of God. Sounds like I'm crazy. I just happen to believe the Bible is the Word of God. No, I do not believe that God stuck his hand out of heaven and started writing things down, but what I do believe is that God inspired authors over thousands of years in different places, different times, and what we have now is inspired by God. It's the word of God. I believe it to be true. And one of the reasons I believe it to be true is because I look at culture so often. And oftentimes, culture is just catching up to what the Bible has been saying for a long, long time. Can I show you something? Paul says, put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. And so what he's saying is you need to guard your mind. Get ready to fight. You got to defend that mind. How? With the word of God. Look what Proverbs 4 verse 23 says. 
It says, above all else, guard your heart for, what's the next word? For, if you guys haven't learned to read, for, for, there we go. Everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. Now, these are ancient words, thousands and thousands of years ago. And so we all know that the heart doesn't actually do anything. It's just a metaphor for our minds, right? And so our hearts and our minds are interconnected. And so what, well, what Solomon is saying is saying, guard your heart above all else. Guard your mind above all else. Why? Everything that you do flows from it. This is biblical. Let's go science. Now, in the last 20 years, anyone will tell you we have learned more about the brain than we have in the history of humankind, just with breakthrough, with technology. And one thing that that science will tell you, psychologists will tell you, psychiatrists will tell you, my dad will tell you, is that our brains are extremely powerful. My dad's a psychiatrist. That was the joke. Um, Our brains are extremely powerful. And so I was just reading some statistics on the power of the brain. And so one thing that they're finding now is that actually almost 60, between 60 and 80% of all visits to healthcare physicians are are as a result of something that is stress-related. One of the main reasons people get sick, one of the main reasons people will actually go and see a doctor is because there's something wrong in their head. Another stat, um, this was Dr. Caroline Leaf, she said 75 to 90 8% of mental, physical, and behavioral issues will come from your thought life. Your thought life. What we're finding out now is the average person will have 6,200 different thought patterns per day. 6,200 different thought patterns per day. And so what that means is that our thoughts, if they run rampant, what science is letting us know is that our brains, our minds are so powerful, it actually affects everything in our body. I love science. What a breakthrough. I think Solomon said something similar. He said, guard your heart. Why? Because everything that you do flows from it. And that's why I just happen to believe the word of God. Because a lot of times we're just catching up. Come on, somebody. But the point is science and the Bible will tell you the same thing. Our minds are the epicenter of our lives. And if we don't guard it, if we don't have defense, we're in trouble. And so what's our defense? How do I fight back? How do I move from the defensive to the offensive? Paul is saying it's the word of God. He gets more explicit in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says the weapons of of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. We don't fight like the world fights. We fight differently. He says instead the weapons we have, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You You want to know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is something that is impenetrable. And so I know for a lot of us, you have things in your mind and you feel like there is no way I can ever stop thinking about that. There's no way I can ever see myself differently. Paul is saying the divine weapons we have can demolish strongholds. They can change things that seemed unchangeable. And so he says we tear down every argument and every presupposition against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What that means is every single time there's something in my mind, every single time it goes somewhere, it goes to that place, that dark place that I don't need to be, Paul says, take it captive. Take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. Now, most psychologists and science will tell you something similar, right? It's monitor your thought pattern, and anytime there's something negative, fill it with something positive. And that's good, but Paul takes it a step further. 
He says, don't just take it with something positive. He says, make it obedient to Christ. So listen, I have, I have a friend, um, and you guys, you know, as a church, we can just please pray for him um, because his daughter's um, just sick right now. Um, and he just said the hardest part of everything that she's going through is my mind. He says, because my mind is just races to the, to the worst case scenario, races to the worst case scenario. And so he's like, I'm trying to think positive. I'm trying to think positive, but it's really, really hard. And so I said, hey, one of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, and it says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And he's like, what does that mean? I said, it means every single time something negative comes into your life, don't, don't just, don't follow that train. Change it to what Jesus actually says about you. Change it to what Jesus says. But he says, the truth is, he's like, I don't really know what Jesus says. Like, I'm just, a, like, I don't, have, I don't have a long history. I don't, I, I don't know. And maybe you're like my friend, and even though you've been in church for a long time, the truth is, like, I don't know what the Bible says. I don't know how to take my thought captive and make it obedient to Christ because I don't know what Christ says. You see, the truth is, if we never know what's actually in the Bible, how can we take our thoughts captive and make it obedient to something? Because when life seems dark and when life seems like there's no way out, one of my favorite Bible verses I tell people is John 16, 33. And it says, this is the words of Jesus. Jesus says to his disciples, in this life you may have troubles. In fact, he says, in this life you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And so what that means is no matter what I'm going through, no matter what the outcome, my faith is not even in this outcome. My faith is in the already predetermined outcome that Jesus has overcome. That's what it means to take a thought captive. But if I don't know what the word says, how can I ever do that? And I speak to so many people, and it's like, man, like I want, I want to know more. I just don't like to read. Well, guess what? If you don't like to read, you'll always be a slave to something. You'll be a slave to your thoughts. You'll be a slave to what people think about you. You'll be a slave to what's happening in your mind. And so I get it. Maybe reading's hard, but last week we said, choose your heart. Come on, somebody. And so I want to encourage you. I remember, uh, and I, I'm just someone that, you know, I, I, thir I, thirst. I have a thirst for knowledge. I hate to not know stuff. After I watch a movie, I go Wikipedia, and I want to know everyone. I want to know the producers. I want to know the directors. I want to know the reason why they made the movie the way they did. I just crave knowledge. And I remember God, when he called me into ministry, it, it was kind of odd. God called me to be in pastoral ministry when I had never really read any of the Bible. And so I was just like, all right, Jesus, let's go. And there was lots of moments where I'd look at other people and I'd be like, man, I could never get there. They know so much. Like, these guys are scholars. But at the very end of the day, I just, I came to a point where I was like, I don't want to be a slave to what other people tell me. I, I don't want to base all my belief on what other people tell me. Listen, when I talk to people, I love to give Bible studies. But one thing I always say is make sure you read it yourself. Otherwise, you're just a slave to what I tell you. Because you, you want to know what I found out when, when I read the Bible for the first time by myself? I found out that there's a lot of stuff in there that I didn't know. I, f I found out there was a lot of stuff that I was taught that just wasn't true. But, but you want to know what, what I found out above all else? I found out that Jesus is even better than I thought he was. I found out that his grace is even better. I found out that his love is deeper. I found out what it truly means when he says there is nothing under the heavens, nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. But I had to figure that out myself. No, no one can tell me that. And so here's the point I'm trying to make. Jesus is our foundation. The second is this. Draw your sword.
draw your sword. You can write study scripture beside it if you might not remember what that means after. You want to fight the battle? Study scripture. Because the truth is this, every single day that you're going to fill yourself with something or not. Because I know a lot of you guys that don't like to read, I know Lord knows you like to read Facebook and you like to read Instagram and you like to read the news. And, and so what happens is if we're not filling ourselves with something, that becomes our filter. The word is my protection because the truth is this, I need it. I need it. I, I got to this point, and if you guys know, this is 11 o'clock service. We had our very first 9.30 service this morning. Come on, somebody. Make us some room. And the reason I need truth and the reason I need scripture is because every single day, no matter how spiritual we think we are, we always fight a battle. And I was telling them this morning, and I got to this point, and I said, man, when I was going through my sermon this morning at home, I had these voices in my head as I went through it, and that voice just kept saying, this is not good. This is boring. This is useful, useless. At the beginning of 930 service, I didn't tell them that, but as I was preaching, that voice came back again. It said, this is useless. This is worthless. No one's learning anything. No one cares. But what I told 930 service is the same thing I'm going to tell you guys. It's the same thing I'm going to tell church online. At the end of the day, all I have to do when my feelings tell me something is I have to back it against truth. And what truth tells me is that I serve the God of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 that says he is able to do abundantly and immeasurably more than we could ever dream, ask, or imagine. And so what that means is although my words, they may not be perfect, I may say things that I shouldn't have said, but at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is here and I believe it because I believe that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is actually alive in me and so Jesus is going to do something whether I think I'm good or not and that's the same for each and every one of us but if I have no idea what the word says if I have nothing to back it against I'm always a slave to my emotions I'm always a slave to my feelings I'm a slave to what other people tell me about and maybe you're like me you just don't like people telling you stuff like, I need to find it out for myself, and that's totally fine, but then go search. Grab your sword. Study scripture. Harrison, where do I start? Super simple, super practical. We're fighting. Download the Bible app. It's a great place to start. Anything that you're going through, whether it's an emotion, whether it's a word, whether it's fear, whether it's worry, type it in. There's a Bible plan for you. And guess what? You can even do with people to keep you accountable, and they can see when you didn't read, and they can judge you, and it's amazing. Download the Bible app. Uh, if you're here today, fill out a connect card and just say, hey, I want to study scripture more. I would love to Zoom with you on poor internet connection um, at my house. Because the truth is, if, if the word of God is as powerful as we believe it is, I don't think we can afford not to be in it because it's power to change things. And so it's our weapon. And so Paul finishes. What's the last weapon? He says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. So Jesus is our foundation. Our sword is our weapon. Here's the last thing I want to say, and I'm way over time, so I'm not going to get into it too much, but prayer is our lifeline. Prayer is our lifeline. He says, pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayer requests. You, you want to know one of the reasons that so many of us get stuck in darkness? One of the reasons why so many of us get stuck in ruts? is because what we say to ourselves is like, man, like if anyone knew what I thought in my head, if, if anyone could just come into my, I can't share this with people. 
because this is just too dark. This is just too much. Like, they don't know how badly I see myself. They don't know that I think I'll always be a failure. They don't know that I think I'm always going to be like this. And so one of the beauties of prayer and one of the beauties of Jesus is because of Jesus, the Bible tells us we can come boldly to him. Paul says, bring all kinds of prayer requests. It's not just, Lord, you know, bless my family. Lord, uh, bless the pastor. I love those prayers. But it's literally, God, I'm feeling things. I don't even know why I'm feeling this. I've never felt a darkness like this. I've never felt a loneliness like this. I've never felt so dumb. I've never felt so stupid. I've never felt so worthless. And you're like, man, do people think like that? I know we think like that. And so Jesus says, in all occasions, bring prayer and petition. Paul says that, sorry, with all kinds of prayer and requests. And the last thing is this, and this is appeal for all of us. He says, pray for all the Lord's people. One of the reasons we have church, church family, one of the reasons we need people that know us, that know my story, that have my number, is we can't do this thing alone. We need to pray for other people. And one thing I've found over and over again is that when I pray for other people, when my mind goes from being inward to outward, I actually feel better. Because I realize life isn't all about me. It's not about my problems. I need to pray for that family. I need to pray for that little, little person that's, 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 that's sick, that's, that's going through things. I need to look outward. And so prayer becomes our lifeline. It becomes our lifeline. I just want us to stand right now, church. These, I believe, are the weapons of warfare. Um, but we still got a few more weeks of fighting left. Come on, somebody. And so right now, um, I just want to, to just pray over every single person in this room. And right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to make an appeal because maybe there's someone here this morning and it's like, you know what, Harrison, I've let darkness win too much. I've let my mind win too much. I want to give it to Jesus. Maybe you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. Maybe it's a recommitment to Jesus. Maybe it's a full-on dedication to say, I'm fighting this war. If you want to make that commitment this morning with every head bowed, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. God, for every hand that is raised, you see them. It's a heart, it's a soul, it's a decision. And it's a decision to follow you. It's a decision to lean into the battle, to say it's not gonna be the way it was. I'm not gonna think the way I was thinking, God. I wanna replace a lie with the truth. So I pray for every single hand, I pray for every single heart, whether in this room, whether online, that wants to lean into what you have for them, God. I pray for them in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. Hey, if you want more information, if you've decided to follow Jesus, we encourage you to head over to kingdomchurch.ca right now and connect with us. We can't wait to get to know you. Until next time, take care.